Hey everyone, welcome to Unlikely to Apologize. I'm one of your hosts, Nikki. And I'm Heather. That was weird how I said that. Yeah, it's fine. It's it's late in the night. So we're here we are scrambling again. I mean, I don't like to share our our faults, <laughs> but I'm gonna share our faults because that's what we are. Well, we had plans and then we had other plans, and then, and then now we have more plans. <laughs> now we have more plans. So here we are. Here we are. But in those plans, we had the pleasure of sitting down with Jacqueline. I'm going to butcher her last name. I'm so sorry. Of um, Flow Light B on Instagram. I'm just going to, we're going to do it that way. I that. <laughs> uh, which um, is a cool conversation that literally went, I feel like all over the place, but was like perfectly done. If that makes sense. She has so much to say about so many different things. And I, I'm really sad we had to end the conversation. I know. I wanted because to I feel like I could have talked to her forever. So we might need to like figure out have a her way. Back. To, like Jacqueline, you're people. coming back. Yeah. Cause I feel like we had that with a couple people, right? Like I wish there was more time. Um, so we, maybe we'll do a fall series or something where we just bring people back to like, yes, okay. updates, chat Update. again, but Whatever. yeah, I so. feel like everybody we've talked to, we've had really great conversations, but there are a handful of them where I'm like, no, not yet. I'm not done yet. <laughs> I need more. And Jacqueline is one of them. She's it was, it was great. such a it, delight. And she's in Austin. I feel like we could go we see can, her. We should, we, we need to, we need to do like a little happy hour with our Austin people. Um, mm-hmm. for Instagram, maybe we should do one for the end of the summer. Anyways, more ideas. See here. I go. Here I go. <laughs> Anyhow. Right. Yes. We talked to Jacqueline. She is a yoga teacher. Mm-hmm. She moved back to Austin from London in August of 2020. And she started her yoga practice, um, in Austin, but she had been doing yoga in London. Um, and she, she was just a pleasure to speak to. I don't want to give anything away. Like I no, do. I, feel I like want to introduce like- her, but I don't want to give anything away. I feel like sometimes when we do these recaps, we give out too much. So maybe we just stop keeping <laughs> out. Yes, like, especially the, the very end. I feel like she had some really great. Oh, that, that quote, the one thing she said. Oh, yes. beautiful, beautiful, beautiful quote. But I had asked her what would be some advice she would give somebody who is just now starting their healing journey. So the very end of this episode, she will tell you what she would suggest for that. I'm not going to give any of them away um, because they're so good. And I feel like I don't want to butcher anything she said. I want you to hear it straight from her. Right. So on that note, this is a quick introduction because it's summertime and we want to go do stuff. Taking my kids swimming. Good for you. That's where I'm going. <laughs> I have people swimming at my house right now. Nikki has friends. friends over while she's recording this podcast. How dedicated we are, people. <laughs> yes. Um, so. And eventually we'll get to introducing you to our summer July. It was supposed to be a whole summer series. Now it's just going to be July. Yeah. It's going to be fun. We'll it's talk fun. about that. We'll talk I, about that next week. Yeah. I commend you guys for all following us as we navigate <laughs> new experience of, of a podcast, because sometimes I wonder how we do it, but here we are doing it. So yeah. On that note, note, if you, not, if you, when you like what you hear, when you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes or whatever. 
if you have any questions or you yourself have a journey you want to share or you know anybody else that might be interested in sharing their stories, you can reach out to us on Instagram at unlikely to apologize podcast. Did I do it? You did it. I did it. And then sure, our email, you can also email at hello at unlikely to apologize.com. That's it. I did it. You did it. You're yes. a professional podcaster. Now, That's it. Mic drop. Where, where's, where drop? Did it. Mic drop. <laughs> Nikki did it. She's professional. <laughs> as always, you can always get us on our DMs as well. Um, and you know what, guys? It's the first day of summer. Go fucking enjoy it. Go enjoy the first fucking day of summer. Yay, we made it. <laughs> All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Hey, Jackie. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, we've been excited following- to talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> I would say we've been following you and sharing things on Instagram, but I don't think we've ever actually sat and have a conversation. So this is exciting. It is exciting. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I've been following you guys too, since you started. So it's, it's awesome. kind of, it's fun to actually be, you know, be able to actually have a conversation and get to know each other better. Awesome. Yeah. We're excited. So let's get, we're going to just dive right in. Why don't you tell the people who you are? Okay. Um, my name is Jacqueline Ochoa. I am a yoga teacher in Austin, Texas. Um, I've been teaching yoga now. Uh, I guess it's been close to four years, maybe more like three and a half years. I actually started teaching in London. I was living there. Um, And then came back to Austin in August of 2020. So right in the fun part of the pandemic. (laughs) And uh, it took me a little while to get my footing here, to get my foot in the door, figure out where I fit in the Austin community. Um, I did, I lived here previously. So it it was kind of coming home, but it was also, I was a very different person coming back, I guess. Right. I was Um, just going to ask if you were originally from here or if you were just you know, pick the city on the map and decide. (laughs) Yeah, no. So I came to Austin, uh, to go to university and then stayed and then, uh, left for a little bit and then and back. Uh, but I've always had family here. So even since I was a little kid, so my mom grew up here. So I will say that Austin has always felt like home. Oh, nice. Where, where did you say you were initially from? Like, where were you born? I was born in Houston. Houston. Okay. Um, and then my family moved around as I was growing up. So I didn't live anywhere longer than four years as a kid. Um, and it wasn't until I actually went to university that I stayed somewhere, right? For an extended period of time. So it was the first time that I kind of settled somewhere uh, and allowed myself to start establishing roots of some sort. Right. Yeah. So that's, so I want to kind of touch on it because it's interesting. You're not the first person that I've talked to that moved or made a big life change during the pandemic. Right. So you were in London, you come back and you're like, oh shit, <laughs> things are <laughs> a lot different. So how was that adjusting? Cause I, of course you were already here. So it wasn't, I hope not that hard, but I could assume trying to reinvent yourself in the city that you already called home. How was that Yeah, it was, it was quite challenging to be honest. So moving back, um, I would say the first, uh, four or five months emotionally was completely devastating for me. And it was not something I was prepared for because, because you, I think when you think you're coming back somewhere, you, you don't necessarily prep yourself for the fact that 
there's going to be a loss of leaving somewhere that you were really happy and settled in. Um, and I had that. So I had that kind of grieving period of leaving the life in the UK to come back to Austin. Um, and then not being able to step into work and kind of get momentum because studios weren't open and people weren't hiring, uh, I think made it that much more challenging. Uh, previously, when I lived here, like my previous career, uh, was teaching special ed. So that was my first kind of career job was a special ed teacher. And then um, I took time off because I do have two girls, two daughters, um, to kind of be with my girls for a little bit and, um, and then decided not to go back into teaching in the classroom, decided to take on this other career path, um, which has been kind of just a roller coaster if I'm being really cool. What made you like, I guess, what was, what was it that made you go yoga? I want to do yoga. Mm. Um, it's funny that you asked that. Cause I think about that often. Cause if you had asked uh, the 20 year old me, she would have been like yoga. No, no. Um, I was never the person who could ever felt flexible or felt like yoga was a fit for me. Um, it, every time I tried to step onto a mat in my twenties, uh, I think it was the, the slowing down was too hard for me. The mental. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I understand, right? Raising my hand because I still at 37 years old, no matter how hard I try, cannot get myself to just relax nope. and do yoga like I, I need to take a yoga class Nikki because I feel the exact same way where I'm like it terrifies me like I love lifting weights but the thought of of yes like slowing down and like I don't want to be like, in the, I don't want to be in this head of mine you know what that will do for me like I can't I can't <laughs> I completely relate I completely relate and I so I always gravitated towards um things that required more energy right that was um uh, like kind of, I, I always call it now looking back, I was, I was really beating myself up a lot in, in the physical aspect of my life. So, you know, I was always pushing myself the hardest in the cycling class or the cardio class or whatever it was. And I did, I didn't ever had the ability to kind of balance the two energies within the body. Right. So I was all yang all the time and completely depleted all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't until I got injured multiple times in a row where, um, my body kind of just told me like you, you, we've had enough, like uh, there's, that's enough and you need to do something different. And if that means that you're going to have a shoulder injury and an ankle injury and all of this at the same time to get you to slow down, then that's what we're going to do. And so I decided I would do a 30 day yoga challenge. Um, and what was funny about that is like, I look back and at the time I told myself, I just really want to do a handstand. <laughs> <laughs> that was your goal, right? Let's just do it. 30 days. Like, yes, let's just do a handstand. Okay. Here you are still trying to challenge yourself when you're trying to slow down, right? Totally. And totally. a handstand, I feel like of all the things that you could say, <laughs> this is it. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous, right? That's I love ridiculous. it. I love it. <laughs> go big or go home. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And so, um, so I did 30 days and I committed to the 30 days and in that 30 days, I was so surprised 
by just this slow mindset shift, right? Um, that started to occur. And I liked it so much because I kind of have this all or nothing personality from time to time. I was like, I'm going to do it 60 days, you know? So I did it 60 days, even when I was traveling or whatever. I mean, I was like, I'm doing it. I'm doing some, and it wasn't an hour of yoga. It could have been 15 minute yoga, you know, 20 minutes of yoga. It was just the act of showing up consistently. And that was, then I extended that to 90 days. And then I did a year where I practiced, I would say almost every single day over the course of a year. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I wish I had the. I'm the type of person that like, I'll say, I want to do something and I do it. And then I'm done. Like I did it. <laughs> I, did it. I did the 30 days. I hit my goal. What's next? Like I can't. Yeah. So I'm, is... you on that. I'm not good at that. <laughs> That's really impressive. Yeah. Well, I think, I think for me, it was just this gradual, sh- this gradual change that I saw within myself that made me keep coming back. Right. Um, and I will say I had a meditation practice prior, not, it's not like, a great meditation practice, but I had practiced meditation quite regularly as a part of some suggestions from therapy before I did more of the asana practice. Um, And so I think when I finally committed to that 30 days, I was able to start seeing what the correlation between these two things are and how this umbrella of the word yoga is actually quite large, right? And what I had kind of always envisioned as yoga which can, you know, I think if we all kind of think like, what is this look of yoga, unfortunately, sometimes that we see on Instagram and, and that kind of thing um, was so actually far removed from what yoga really is at its core. Um, and so then I started to realize, hey, I can incorporate a lot of these practices in my everyday life, right? This mindfulness, this um, awareness of my body, this noticing what's actually going on. How am I responding? How do I feel physically? Um, And so I always like to say it's that checking in with yourself daily um, that started to become so much more about what my practice was. And what was funny is that goal of doing a handstand, it just went away. Like, it became really not important to me by the end of that year where it was like, maybe I'll figure it out at one point if I want to put in the time and effort, but that's not actually what my practice is. Right. Um, and I'm really grateful for that um, because it, it, it I, that's, I think that piece of it, that shift for me is what made me want to go in and teach yoga. Um, And when I initially went and got my uh, 200 hour certification, I kind of had in the back of my head that I would do kind of teen yoga. So incorporating more of my educational background um, because I've always felt like, man, if I had had some of these tools when I was in my, when I was 15 or 16, you know, and struggling with my, the way I felt about my body or where I fit in into the world, you know, how that could have been profound for me at that age. I love this because as I'm sure you've listened and Heather knows she gets this from me all the time. I, one of my biggest things is I think that way, the way that we're taught in school about our bodies as females, we never get told to take the time to listen, to honor 
different things down to our sexuality, down to our body image, down to what we're eating. If I can go back in time and have the mentality that I have now and just like strangle my 15 year old self to just be like, calm the fuck down. Like things would be, I think, I mean, I wouldn't change anything of course, but like things would have been a lot easier, right? Because we don't get one of the biggest things is you, we've talked about on the, on the podcast is, you know, understanding your cycle, knowing how you react to things can be affected by where you are in the month and just having these different ways of practicing, you know, your responses or responsible responsiveness, excuse Mm. me, would be valuable, especially in our adult life. But I think it needs to start from at least from a a, a teenage, at least bare minimum teenage years. Well, providing a teenager with tools, right? Cause yoga is also about, right. The mindfulness, the slowing down, the being in tune with your body in tune with your mind. I feel like it definitely, it's a calming. And so when you're a teenager with all your hormones going all over the place to have a practice that you're taught or you're told about or something that could kind of recenter you, I feel like is incredible. And it would have been, I mean, it would have been helpful. It would have changed a lot of things, I think, for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if I gave it a chance, because I just talked about how I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so I love that. Um, one of the things that we read, Jackie, in your um, bio that you shared too was it, you. You mentioned something about how your body was screaming at you, and you had a hormonal imbalance. Did you use yoga as a way of kind of healing that? Was that a way for you to understand more? So, did yoga? Let me rephrase the question. Did yoga? point you in that direction because you were able to notice certain things um, because you were slowing down? Yes, I would say yoga ta- reconnected me to my innate intuitiveness, right? I think we all have that. It's kind of like what you were saying. Uh, we all have this intuitiveness about our bodies, right? And we can recognize when things are off, when we slow down enough to listen to it, right? I think the problem is even at a young age, I'm sure you've experienced this as well, is that we are often taught that someone else knows our bodies better than we know our bodies, right? Right. Um, So so young, even, even teachers, I think at school don't even realize it, like telling you, you shouldn't need to go to the bathroom. I know this sounds really simple, but no, you're I, like, I, but no, I, I do I need to go. <laughs> right. And so I think then we are teaching people, especially young women at a young, younger age that like, you know what, you don't know your body. I'm going to tell you what medical, whatever says about your body. And so um, no, you need to listen to me because I have these degrees or this information. And so we get so far removed from learning to listen. And that's definitely where I was at. I had tuned that part of myself off because to be honest, I had a lot of things going on with my body. I had some gut issues. I had acne issues. Um, I was suffering from pretty bad PMS, um, you know, I, I suffered from postpartum depression with both of my girls. Um, and yet I, I, I still continued to have habits that weren't actually benefiting me or helping me change. And so the more I practiced yoga, the more I couldn't turn off that inner voice, right? The louder that inner voice became for me. And so it got to a point where I couldn't ignore it. And I, I, 
I felt at that point, like I had no choice, but to start trying to figure out how I could feel my best. Um, and it led me down a, a crazy journey of what kind of foods to eat and, um, how to work out in a way that actually was nurturing for my body instead of depleting my body. Um, and so I would say over the course of the last probably, yeah, 10 years, there's a dramatic difference in how I treat my body, but it's been really slow. So right. I always, yeah, I always tell people like balancing your life. And I say balancing your life is balancing your hormones, right? That, that isn't a quick process and we can't rush it because there's a lot of trial and error along the way. I shouldn't even say error. There's just a lot of trying things and seeing if it works for you. Right. So, um, on your social media, I have seen that you talk a lot about hormones. At what point did you start incorporating the hormone education into your yoga? Um, that's like into my professional practice. Let me make sure I understand. Yeah. So that's been kind of new. It's always kind of been there in the back. Um, but I was actually a little bit too scared to start to, to kind of niche in this direction for a long time. And it wasn't until, uh, probably the fall of last year that I decided, no, I, this is where I keep kind of coming back to, right. This is where I, uh, feel as if I'm a best of service to people. This is where I feel most lit up to talk things I want to talk about, things I want to share. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I love working one-on-one with women. I love working in women's groups. Um, I've been really fortunate in my life to do different kinds of women's groups in therapy or even in like yoga teacher training uh, and really feel that empowerment that comes when we show up for other women and we hold space and we allow people to be exactly who they are in the moment and it, and it's accepting, right? And it's um, non-judgmental. Right. So, uh, yeah. Okay. Love that. I love that you're getting into that hormones. Again, one of my other favorite subjects to talk about. Um, so I'm glad you're getting into that. Cause I feel like there's not enough education out there. No, there's a lot of women who are, are kind of blind to it as well. And one of the, one of my things I always bring up whenever I meet anybody and we get on any types of topics, I always ask, do you know your cycle? Do you understand your hormones? Do you know what those do to you? Do you know what they do to your moods? So um, you're kind of the second yoga instructor that I've, I've talked to, uh, or we've talked to who, who understands the, what hormones can actually do to your body and you have used yoga to kind of balance their own. So I, I love that you're, you know, leaning into that. Cause I think there's not enough education or awareness out there for women. So using your platform to share that is, is amazing. <clears throat> So I also have a question because it's not something I'm off, I'm too familiar with. And if it's not something that you necessarily want to speak about, it's totally okay. But you mentioned postpartum depression. Um, Can we talk about that a little bit? Sure. Absolutely. (laughs) I know a little bit about it, obviously, but I've never necessarily sat down and talked with anybody on what it actually like feels, feels like. And let's kind of take a turn to go down that path, what you went through what were the things that you did to try to help you? Obviously the yoga helped, but was there anything else to help you get out of there? What were the signs that you recognized or started going, okay, something is wrong here? Mm. So I would say, okay. So, uh, with my first daughter, I, 
I didn't really realize until after the fact, I think that that's what I was going through. So um, I just kind of powered through. Uh, right. Luckily, I will say I had one. And so that was easier, right? Um, I could get a little bit more sleep with only having one child at the time. Um, and I did have a lovely group of some women who were in my same birthing uh, class and we stayed friends. And I think just the support of us all having kids basically around the same time and going through similar ups and downs was kind of my therapy group at the time for my first one. Mm -hmm. um, when I had my second is when I, when it really hit me hard. Um, so I wasn't sleeping, right? And obviously sleep is crucial for our emotional well-being. Um, and so I was so sleep deprived that that alone triggered pretty severe depression. Um, and I was trying to also manage a child who was, uh, you know, three, around the age of three, my second was around the age of three and do all of the things during the day that I was... And I say required in quotations because it's what I put on myself as my requirement. Looking back, I didn't, I did not ask for help like I should have. I took it all on and tried to manage all of it without looking to the people around me for support. Um, and I was starting to look for control in any way I could, right? Um, because I felt like I had zero control of my emotions at the time. I started trying to control the way I was eating, um, which put me to be the skinniest I've actually ever been before. And I didn't even see it until I was pretty far gone, in my opinion. Now looking back at pictures and being like, ooh, yeah, that... It, that isn't right. But I know what I was trying to do was like manage something in my life, make something feel right. in order. Um, and then it got to the point where, you know, too many people who loved me were saying things to me like, this is not good. You're not okay for me to go, okay, I need to get help. And so luckily for me, I have had a therapist on and off now since I was like 25 years old and she's been my therapist this whole time. And so I wasn't seeing her at the time, but I called her back up and was like, okay, I need to see you again. Right. I know I need help, but I don't even know how to begin to muddle through all of this. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, I had gone on, uh, some hormonal birth control. And so that wasn't helping me. Oh, at all. Okay. I was actually okay. making me feel as if I was losing my mind. Um, and I think that's something that no doctor would agree with me. Like, I remember going to the OB and like, are you sure like this can't have some effect? No, no, it shouldn't. I was like, no, I think I'm, I think I'm going crazy here. <laughs> like, I like, I, oh, this subject makes me so angry because you're, you are one in like, there's hundreds of us, thousands of us, millions of us who have all been put on a pill and then told we're not crazy, but we feel crazy. Like, and the fact that it's never acknowledged by a medical professional is insane to me. Like, it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Like I, I and, and when I talked about, you know, what I went through, I was on six different birth controls. 
they just kept switching it on me. Like, no, no, something like you're, I'm not supposed to be on it. People aren't supposed to be on it. Really what it, it is a good tool for what it is, but what it does to your body is awful. I'm just going to put that out there. No, I, I, <laughs> Such a I rant. completely agree. Yeah. Because we don't talk about what it does to our bodies. Mm-hmm. We only talk about what it's supposed to do. This is to prevent pregnancy. Okay. But it's also, it's not just to prevent pregnancy because there are women who have gone on it for bad periods, um, terrible PMS. Um, I was put on it uh, or not me. I was put, I was put on the IUD, but I was put on it because of my endometriosis. Like it was, it's medication. Like we talk about, I was going, I don't want to be on medication. I don't want medication. And then you go to the doctors and like, you want a medication, like, oh, birth control. Like you're on medication, Nick. Like, yeah, (laughs) take a pill, but (laughs) drives me insane. I could speak for hours on this. Oh, sorry. I had another rant. (laughs) (laughs) No, not at all. I completely agree. And so I immediately decided, okay, I'm going to get this out. I'm going to continue with some therapy. I'm going to you know, like try to pull myself out. Um, depression isn't, I will say like depression in general, wasn't necessarily new to me. Um, so, you know, I had had some ons and off in my teenage years into my early twenties, where I definitely also struggled, um, with that. And so the good thing for me at that point is I wasn't fearful that I couldn't get myself out. It's just funny how, to me, um, how far I let myself fall down the, I always say like falling down the rabbit hole without really realizing how far I'd gone. It's so, it can be such a quick thing. Um, And although I think we talk about postpartum depression, what we don't talk about with women, again, is like hormonally, what is your body going through (laughs) after you have a child? And it is a long process of rebalancing your hormones after you've given birth. And so we don't have any discussion with women about this whole, we we talk everything about what it takes to give birth. And then we leave women out to dry. I feel like when it comes to talking about like, okay, see, these are the things that are going to happen to your body after you give birth. These are the, this is what it's going to feel like. This is what your body's going to have to go through to re-regulate. If you breastfeed, this is what's going to, you know, these are all the things that could happen, might happen for you. And, and so we're just fumbling along because we don't have, maybe there are places, but I feel like in the U S especially is that we don't do a very good job of kind of like nurturing women in this first year after they give birth, um, with other women. Right. Well, no, cause it's like, you've had the baby and then everybody's all about the baby. It's yes. you're not even there anymore. It's let me see the baby. How's the baby. It's, yeah, and it's like, you don't, that. yeah, you don't even exist anymore. Okay. We had a similar conversation with Liz. She had the same thing. Everybody was about the baby, the baby, and nobody asked her, are you okay? And it's one thing I do. I do try to do after having friends who have babies. I always go, are you okay? And it's funny too, because in conjunction with our conversation with Liz and something you just said, this is going to sound silly, but there's a Netflix show called call the midwife. Mm -hmm. And it's all about the midwives in the, in the UK, but like early forties, fifties and the whole time of the pregnancy up until they give birth. And then after the midwives would come and do calls to make sure that the woman had help, she was getting sleep, that she was eating. Like they offered this service back in the day. Somehow our mainstream way of birthing has lost that 
like touch that, that nurturing factor that you just mentioned. And it amazes me as, as we are growing as a society or we've grown as a society, we've lost those little things that they used to do. It's not foreign. It used to be offered. We just stopped. Well, I think in, in other countries, stuff like that still is like, I know, I know people in other countries who, who have gotten full year maternity leave, whereas here you might be lucky if you get three months and it's not called maternity leave, it's short-term disability. Right. So it's, it's most, it's, it's what I'm starting to see is it's the, the U S right. It's just amazing me that we do because it's a you think about all the milestones in your life you usually have some type of support or some type of nurturing environment where you can move on to the next step of of that life and it's for whatever reason birth it just you're on your own figure it out yeah (laughs) I don't get it so question Jackie Mm -hmm. um for those for people who are listening who may have just given birth or are going through it what are some of the things that you would you know say or talk to or try to get women to pay attention more to what what they're going on going through or maybe listening to their bodies was there anything that like stuck out to you you mentioned you know needing control and controlling your food um were there anything else that you say that looking back now you're just like oh I didn't pay attention to that I probably should have what were some of the things that you would tell another woman if Mm. if you had the opportunity so you mean like in like symptoms of like what I had in postpartum yeah. is what you're saying, referring to? Something okay. that you wouldn't necessarily say, you know, while you were in it, you thought it was a normal thing. Um, definitely like these very quick moods, mood swings, almost like temper tantrums, if I, if I can say them correctly. Like it wasn't like I just got upset. It was like I exploded, right? Like I got quickly triggered um, and that could have been, I say this, it could have been my kid, which as parents, we know sometimes they're very good at quickly triggering you. (laughs) They can find that button like nobody else. Um, But I would get quickly triggered at things that in hindsight didn't require that sort of response, right? Like that I would have never reacted that way. I would have had so many more tools than that. It would have taken me much longer to get there, but I just didn't have the capacity, right? Um, right. It was like everything. Um, I cried an excessive amount. Like I would be feeding my daughter and just in tears, right? Like constantly late at night by myself, like feeding her and just crying myself <laughs> to sleep. Sorry. No, it's, I mean, it's, I, it, it's part of my journey, right? And it makes me who I am. So I, I and, um, and it's okay. It is okay. Like, um, and so I would say those, those were the biggest signs. Also, I think when you have fluctuations, maybe like I did in your weight, either, you know, that seemed quite extreme. Um, obviously our bodies are changing, right? Like we've just given birth and our bodies change every time we give birth, nothing is the same. Um, so I would say like, give yourself grace and not expect your body to look a certain way, but I think you would notice, or somebody else might notice in you, if there's something more extreme on, on that end where you're noticing something physically. Right. Um, but I think just looking back, if I was to look back at the whole experience is like, again, if I was to sit with my intuitiveness, I knew something was off. Right. And I knew I really needed help. Um, but I also didn't know how to ask for it. Um, 
And so I think it's really lovely what you said in the sense that like to have somebody go up to you and ask like, how are you doing? And, and to create an opportunity for you to go, actually, I'm terrible. Like, I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm a mess. I'm like always upset. I'm exhausted, right? That can be such a profound thing for someone who just wants somebody to see them, right? Who just wants somebody to hold space for them in that moment. Right. Do you think if somebody would, because I think about this too, because there are times where people, I mean, Heather's good for this. You always check in on me whenever I'm having like my moments and I'll say, I'm okay. And it's really, I might not be, and she'll call me out on it. Are you sure? Because I am the type of person that'd be like, no, no, I'm fine. Deep down, I know something's wrong, but I don't know how to articulate it enough to even be like, no, I'm not okay. Do you think that if somebody did give you that space, would you have been, I don't want to say smart, that's not the right word, but would you have been willing to be open to allow that vulnerability to happen? Like you're, let somebody know you're struggling. I think it depends on the person. So I think it depends on the relationship you have with the person who's asking you and the amount of trust that you've created, because obviously there were people, there were people in my life who were telling me that I, something was wrong. Right. Um, which is very different than asking. So I, I say like, when people are telling you, you often get defensive, right? Like, you don't seem right. Like something seems off. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. Like, stop asking me. I'm, you know, um, so I think it's a matter of finding someone that you, you, that you know, you can be your authentic self with. And sometimes we don't have those people. Let's be honest. Um, those kind of people in our life are really hard to come by. Um, I would say I was the most honest with other moms who I felt like had maybe been in a similar situation to me and going back into therapy and having a long-standing relationship with someone who I had built an excessive amount of trust with really allowed me, um, to be very honest with myself. Um, but again, I know that not everybody has that. I I'm very lucky to have had, to continue to have that, to, to come back to, um, and so, yeah, I think that's where people fall through the cracks, right? Is not having that. Or not, yeah, not being aware of it. Well, how, there are some people who like, I'm very, I mean, I'll tell the person sitting next to me at the restaurant, my whole life story without like hesitation, whereas Nikki is the opposite. So I feel like when somebody asks me, are you okay? I don't care who you are. I'm going to tell you no, and I'm going to tell you what's wrong. But somebody like Nikki, what I've learned to tell her is when she says, um, I'm fine, everything's fine. I'm like, it, uh, okay, but it's okay if it's not. And you don't have to tell me if it's not, but just know that it's it it doesn't have to be okay all the time. So I think that it, it will depend on who is asking, but also who you're asking, because some people are very closed off where they need time to build a relationship with somebody before they're willing to open up to, you know, admitting that they need help. And then there are people who, you know, like me, or I I mean, I'll tell you whatever you don't want to know, regardless, (laughs) you know, like I'll just tell you everything. So I feel like it's knowing kind of how to navigate those people as well to just be like, it's okay. If you're not, you don't have to tell me I'm here if you want to talk about it, but it's okay to not be okay. Not everything's going to be perfect all the time. You've just gone through whatever hard, you know, season you've gone through, or, you know, you just had a baby, you're probably not sleeping. 
you've got a toddler who's probably driving you crazy that it's okay if you're not okay. Right. I think also too, one of the things and we talked about, you mentioned it earlier about how you wanted to get in with teens and I, we can probably start shifting back to that because we kind of went down a path, but I love it. I love it. Um, going back to, you know, understanding responsiveness and how you respond. One of the things I grew up, I grew up in a household where it's like you cried. It was very much, I'll give you something to stop crying or I'll give you something to cry about. So like it was, I've never necessarily learned to, to express those types of emotions, right? I could talk, I have no problem talking about my life. I, I've done it here. I've gotten better with it. But again, I was also, I grew up in an Italian family where you keep, we, we bury things deep, right? So like you don't, I never had the environment where it felt, I don't want to use this word safe or not safe. It just wasn't welcoming. Like you just, you figured it out on your own keep your shit to yourself. Everybody else has their own shit to deal with. Like, you know, it's kind of that. So it's understanding too, is people's upbringing, what they've been taught to handle emotional responses to things too. I think there's another factor to that. A hundred percent. So I can say I, I was in a similar house, right? It was like, you're, you're crying. Why are you crying? You don't have anything to cry about. There's nothing in your life that could possibly be terrible. Right. Which was the farthest. <laughs> Right. possible thing from the truth. I mean, the farthest thing from the truth. Um, and it has taken me really up until probably the last four or five years, um, to actually give myself permission to feel exactly what I feel and to say that it's okay if no one else agrees with the way I feel, but that I'm going to not ignore that little person right? That is that kind of inner child anymore and tell her that what she feels is not important. And that has taken a lot of practice for me to kind of learn to cradle that part of myself and to say like, it doesn't, nobody else has to understand it. It's okay. And you can still feel this way. Now that, and I say that not saying that I, I, I don't feel like it's important to evaluate our thoughts and our emotions and to like say, is this true? Right? Like there's all of those pieces. But I also think that starts by just saying like, hey, I do feel this way. And then like sitting with that, like, why do I feel this way? Where is this coming from? Um, You know, what's what's happening in my life? How can I shift that? Um, Is this in my head or is this like something I feel in my body? two different things, right? Because let's be honest, our mind says a lot of mistruths and we have to sometimes work on this kind of like unpacking the things, the narratives that we consistently tell ourselves over and over again. Right. Right. Um, And so that's, that's part of my practice too. So I like to say like that practice is also my yoga, right? Um, Just as much as like, actually more so than the physical practice. I, I have, have, slowly moves farther and further away from the physical practice. Like I love being on my mat and it's fun and it's creative and I enjoy it. Um, but it's the other practices that really, you know, matter to me that I, it's the reasons I keep coming back. So it's the emotional awareness. It's that intuitiveness. It's the self-love, the self-care, those types of things. Right. So if there was somebody who was struggling, you know, with some hard seasons or something that they've been through, what would be your advice as to what would be the first thing that you would suggest or recommend that they try? Mm. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> Good question, Heather. That is a, wow. For example, my husband and I went through infertility, IVF. We never had our baby. Like it never worked. And so for somebody who's like, okay, now I'm ready to heal where, you know, I gained 80 pounds. Um, I mentally, emotionally, physically unhealthy. So for somebody coming and being like, okay, I just came out of this really shitty storm. I want to feel better. I want to be better. Where do I start? Mm. Uh, I think that's a conversation would be to start with is like one, where are like, there's lots of where's you, you could start, right? Like you could go to therapy, you could get a part of a group, you could practice yoga, you could start practicing meditation. But I think it's nice to kind of list those things and then pick, go through and be like, which one seems like it's going to be the most comfortable for me to try to explore. Like, because I think it's important. Like I know for a fact that some people, the idea of sitting in front of a therapist is like, it just is jarring. Right. Um, that may not be the best like intro into starting to heal yourself right away, because as much as I believe in the power of therapy, I know it takes a while to find a therapist that is a good match. Right. Um, and so it might feel more comfortable to be in some sort of support group of similar people have, who have experienced what you've experienced, where you are able to have open conversation and know that everybody in that room is coming for similar reasons, right? Like they've all been a part of this type of journey in their life, this type of hardship. Um, uh, I would not say like step onto it, you know, show up at your local yoga studio and expect that rolling out your mat <laughs> is going to, and I say that because man, that can be jarring, right? Like you step in and there's bodies and they're doing all this stuff. And it's like your ego starts to come into play and you're, it, it, it's not necessarily the best stepping stone. Um, you might be better, it might be better for you to, to hire a private yoga teacher for a few sessions if yoga is the avenue that you want to start to explore and allow yourself to build, have somebody help you build a practice that's based on your needs. Because it may be that what you need is you need um, some breath work that you can do for five minutes a day. And then that is your yoga practice over the course of the next month right? It may not be a single asana at all, like a single yoga physical pose. Um, and, and that's what, that's the beauty of working one-on-one -on -one is you can say like, this is where I'm at. This is where my body's at. This is what feels comfortable. What doesn't feel comfortable. Um, in terms of yoga practices that I think are helpful for anyone, uh, I would say a restorative yoga is really pretty beautiful and therapeutic because what it, its main goal is to help us, you know, slow our nervous system down, right. And re-regulate ourselves. So the practice is super supportive, like all of the props, everything to like make you really comfortable in a pose and then just allow you to be present and just kind of sit there. If there's no stretch aspect of it, there's no, um, forcing our body into things that don't feel comfortable, it really is there to kind of help us learn to relax again. And so I think when you're coming out of a season of difficulty, 
one of the best things that you can do is to find things that are soothing for your nervous system, right? That help mm -hmm. downregulate that nervous system, help you manage the stress in your life because it's always there, right? Like it's constant. Um, I love the idea of spending five minutes in the morning and five minutes before you go to bed, just checking in with yourself and just sitting with like, how am I, how am I today? You know, maybe that's writing it down. Maybe it's saying out loud. Maybe it's like texting a friend. Maybe you have a great friend that you can be like, okay, every morning, I'm just going to text you how I'm feeling today. I don't, I don't need you to respond, but I just need to share. Right. Heather, new challenge. New challenge. <laughs> You're going to get it tomorrow. This is how I'm sitting today. <laughs> Cause I think that's helpful, right? Like, and, it, and you know, you've put it out in the world. Somebody sees you, you've shared it, but they don't need to say anything about how you feel. You've just created that. Like it's there. And this is how I'm dealing with. And then it's nice to check in there with yourself at the end of the day, because I think a lot of that can shift for us based on what's happened in our day. So we may not feel as good by the end of the day, or we might be surprised that like, Hey, something really, really small happened in my day. And I see that now as a positive and I I'm going to bed feeling a bit better today. And maybe that means that whatever that little thing is, I can come back to that again tomorrow. Maybe I can recreate that, you know, in some sort of way. Um, but I also think just routines can help us. Um, at least that's me. I don't know. I'm, I'm the big, I, if my routine shifts in any way, shape or form, my mood is just done. Like I, I will write off the day. If I don't get to start it, how, I'm, how I envision I'm supposed to start my day, the day's ruined. Like there's no coming back. I, it's, it's just done. Like I can't, <laughs> and I'm teaching myself in, in part of my journey that, you know, that I've kind of made up for myself that it's okay to have those hiccups. I still have a whole day to make up for it. doesn't mean it's over. <laughs> so um, I get that. But I, as soon as I'm out of routine, everything else goes to shit. So I'm very much a routine person. Yeah. And I think routine, when you feel like you haven't had a lot of control in an area of the, your life that you want, that helps in some way, right? Because when things aren't aligning the way we want, it feels like we don't like out of control. And so where can we start to just bring in little gentle ways of feeling a little bit more of that control. And, you know, I was, I don't know what I was listening to the other day, but I, what I really liked about what this person was saying was she was saying, you know, you could have maybe on a normal morning at your own home, you have a 20 minute routine that you do, whatever that looks like for you, coffee, tea, journaling, whatever, whatever your morning routine is. But what is the four or five minute non-negotiable thing that you can do anywhere you are in the world, right? And mm -hmm. hold tight to that. Cause I thought that's really beautiful. So it, that could be the, the checking in with yourself. That could be, um, your, you know, a, a cup of tea, or it could be a breathe, a breath work practice, right? But that you could do anywhere you are in the world so that you feel as if you get to hold on to that little piece of your routine, no matter what else is going on around, because we can always carve out four minutes, right? right. Five minutes. I love that. I love that. I'm going to start. I'm going to start. I know I'm sitting here thinking what could be like, what could I, what could that be for me? I love that. That is such a great idea. Yeah. Because yeah, then you can do it anywhere. It doesn't, you, it's not something that you have to take with you. It, it's something that you can just, oh, that's so good. That's good. That's good. Oh, that's really good. I love this. 
I know. Um, here's my my favorite saying. I got to be mindful of time. <laughs> <laughs> I should make a shirt that says, I sh- let's be mindful of time. <laughs> um, um, okay. Well, then I have one final question for you. What is the one thing that you used to apologize for in the past that you are unlikely to apologize for now? Um, That would definitely be nurturing myself. So nurturing my physical, emotional, and mental body. Yeah. I love that. And then if people want to find more of you, where can they find you? Um, I'm pretty much just on Instagram uh, at the moment. Uh, So you can find me at flowlightb. So just the word F-L-O-W-L-I-G-H-T-B-E. And that's also my website. So if you want to pop over there, but that's a little bit of an un- under construction as I try to like move my practice uh, in a different way. So definitely a little bit older pictures of me and some older information, but you can definitely connect with me there. But Instagram is a good place because you can um, find ways to connect with me directly through the link in my bio. If you want to, uh, you know, get connected to my newsletter, all of that kind of good stuff. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be here. We really Oh my gosh, this cough. We really appreciated it. Um, and I yep. feel like you had a lot of really great things to say. Well, thank you for having me. It's been fun. It's been, uh, you know, I love conversations that end up taking a, a turn in a direction that I'm not expecting it. So that, that's been <laughs> that's like, sneaky I was, for you. Yeah, hey, I was, <laughs> I'm a squirrel and I want to know. <laughs> Because I, I'm constantly <laughs> thinking about how much time I have with the person and I just want to know as much as I can about the person. So um, that's the other reason why we do this, right? Because we keep it organic and it's it's real and raw. But um, I loved it. There were a lot of things that came up too that I don't, I mean, the postpartum thing, I've always been interested in kind of understanding it. So that was new for me. So thank you so much for sharing that with us um, and me putting you on the spot about it. So, <laughs> um, but I think that people hearing you know, your experience with it, it might help others recognize that they might be in the same boat as well. Definitely. Yeah. I'm happy to share, you know, I think those are the stories that, that make up the, the, not always the most beautiful chapters that we might think of, but they're definitely like the tapestry that makes us most interesting. Right. That's beautiful. beautiful. Put that on a shirt. All right. Well, thank you again so, so much. Um, and uh, we'll talk soon. I, like I said, we share your stuff on Instagram all the time. So people should at least recognize you from our stories. So um, go check out Flow Light B and have a great night. Thank you guys. You too. Thank you.